Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Backstage With, conversations with your favourite theatre actors and creatives. I'm Mikey Worrell. Today we're going to talk about how the virus pandemic brought theatre to a halt and the work that's being done to ensure its survival. My guest this week is a theatre journalist in New York. He is the host of New York One's On Stage, a weekly television news programme that covers what's going on in the industry and features interviews with some incredible artists. Here's my conversation with Frank Delella. Hi, Frank. Thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. How are things going over there across the pond? Well, today we've had the news that they might have found a vaccine that seems to be working in human trials. And it's very sunny in London. No rain today. So actually things are feeling pretty good. Amazing. Uh, How is it with you? Well, I am staying with some family friends in Southampton about two hours from New York City, which is where I live. And it's very sunny here as well. However, uh, it feels like it's 100 degrees Fahrenheit. So very warm. (laughs) Have you been quarantining in Southampton or were you quarantining in the city? I've been, you know, the first three months or so I was in the city. I live in an apartment on the Upper West Side. So that was a whole thing. Uh, During that time, I ended up adopting a dog, rescuing a dog. So that was very exciting. And then, yeah, I came out to Southampton shortly thereafter and have been here ever since. How have you been during the pandemic? Have you have you found it hard or are you an, a natural homing bird? You know, I'm one of those people who I'm sure very much like yourself, I'm at the theater almost every night or I'm at a gala or benefit or, you know, some kind of New York event. And, you know, being forced to stay at home and do nothing was quite the experience. I actually taught myself how to cook during the pandemic. So uh, (laughs) I guess that's a good thing. You know, I caught up with friends, people who I don't normally talk to uh, on a daily basis. So that was very exciting too. And also catching up with family members who, again, you know, I don't talk to all the time. I found myself talking to them almost every night. So what's the situation in in New York uh, and in America now? Is is quarantine over? No. In fact, you know, I feel like New York City is leading the charge or New York State is leading the charge um, in terms of how we are responding to the crisis. I feel like other states aren't and we're starting to see the cases go up and up and up and up and you know, uh, states like California are back to being locked down full time. And, you know, we all have to be in this together if we're going to make something happen. And I'm just I'm proud of my state. I'm proud of New York right now. Can you tell me about the day the Broadway shut down, where you were, how it happened? Sure. You know, I was at the office and obviously it was right you know, mid-March, so I think it was like March 11th or so, and we were getting ready to, you know, I, I feel like we were getting ready to just have one of our weekly meetings, and I got a text message from a friend of mine who was in the Broadway League meeting, which the Broadway League represents all the theater owners and theater producers on Broadway, and 
he said, get ready, Broadway's shutting down. And at first we thought it was only gonna be for weeks, not months. And I alerted the news desk. And then that night, the Broadway musical Six, the West End transfer of Six was supposed to open. And I believe they were setting up for the opening night. Everyone was getting ready. And sure enough, that all got pushed aside. And, you know, at first it was like, okay, so this is a little break. And, you know, I remember a friend of mine said to me, he was like, if you want to come out to my house, he has a house in East Hampton. He was like, if you want to come out to my house in East Hampton and use it, I'm going to stay in Montreal for a couple of weeks. You know, you do that. And I remember saying to him, oh, I'm good. I'm fine. I'm, you know, this is only going to be a couple of weeks and then I'll be back to work. And sure enough, it just went on and on and on and on. And, you know, everyone keeps saying, you know, Broadway will most likely come back in January. But, you know, I've been talking to theater owners, producers, people who really make those decisions. And I believe, from what I'm being told, Broadway's not coming back till at least March, April. You know, they need a vaccine. They need a safe way to do theater for both, not just the audience, but also all those involved, the performers, the people backstage, and so on. So it's going to be a process, and it's, it's going to take some time. The West End shut down about a week after Broadway, uh, maybe just under. And the feeling here was very much, we know it's coming, we just don't know when. Because a week before lockdown, before we all went into lockdown, the government came out and said, oh, you shouldn't be going to clubs, to restaurants, to pubs or to theatres. But there was no, we were in kind of this limbo between their official line and just that oh you shouldn't you shouldn't go to the theater so when it eventually did come everyone was like okay this is going to happen because broadway went first i mean you say you didn't know it was going to be for so long but did you know it was going to it was going to come yeah absolutely i mean you know kind of watching you know how others were responding and kind of seeing the trickling effect from other countries as well i have a very close friend who is a correspondent, a foreign correspondent in Italy. And seeing and hearing what was happening to them over there, he and his husband and the people around them, and also he got COVID. So like seeing how it was affecting him and it, it was just a matter of time when Broadway was going to shut down too. What was the last show you saw? <laughs> I wish it was something like razzle-dazzle, in-your-face, tap-dancing, Broadway extravaganza. It was The Girl from the North Country. Okay. What did you think? Did you enjoy it? Yes, but it's not the show that I want to see when um, we're going through COVID. Yeah, yeah I, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I saw it in December when we had the... It wasn't a revival, it was the same production, but yeah. What, um, what, was, not... the la- what was the last show you saw? Uh, Mary Poppins. So mine was the razzle dazzle. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> she flew off to quarantine in the sky somewhere, and then that was the last thing I saw. <laughs> That's great. Your job is to to cover theatre news. You have a, a half hour weekly show. How has your work changed during this time? Have you had to adapt? Has it been harder to find stories and content? You know, for the first three months, and even now, I've been filing stories from my kitchen area or makeshift studio in the various locations that I've been quarantined. I have gone out and about. Just last week, we did a whole special dedicated to Lin-Manuel Miranda, where we took all the interviews that I did with him dating back to before In the Heights open on Broadway. 
and we turned it into a special. And so, you know, we're getting creative during this time, but also, you know, right after this uh, chat on your podcast, I'm doing another story on how people in the community on Broadway and also people who are part of the Broadway adjacent community, as we call it, people who work in the theater restaurants, like Joe Allen, for instance. Joe Allen, I know, is a big theater hotspot in London. We also mm-hmm. have it here in New York where it originated. You know, these people are still out of work too. And these people are fed and fueled based on Broadway and theater. And when that is not happening, all these businesses, restaurants, stores, hotels are being affected. And so those kinds of stories have been popping up and I've been doing stuff like that. You said you've been out and about a little bit. Can you describe how you felt walking around Midtown and seeing all these theatres close, knowing that it's not just because it's Monday and they're all dark, but because Broadway is gone for now? It's, I mean, I'm going to be completely honest with you. It's so depressing. It's sad. Times Square, the theater district, I'm not sure how it is in the West End, but Times Square and theater district, I mean, this sounds dramatic, but I am dramatic. It's my worst nightmare. Everything's boarded up in terms of, you know, there, there's no life in the stores, the restaurants and whatnot, for the most part, the stuff that I would frequent and go to before or after the theater. And theaters are dark. I hosted the Drama Desk Awards back in May, and at least back in May, the marquees were lit up. We were filming in the theater district just a couple weeks ago, and even the marquee lights were off. I think I, I only noticed one house that was lit up, and that was the Minskoff Theater where The Lion King is playing. You know, everything else is dark. It's very depressing. And you have, there are some issues in terms of housing and figuring out where people can go during this pandemic. And unfortunately, you have, it just seemed like, and being there and experiencing it, folks, you know, who need help, who are mentally ill, just wandering the streets. And and that seemed a little, oh no, like, where are we going? Our city is in need. Our city is in trouble. We need to help these people and we need to help our city. I also work as a producer at Sky News and we've been taking a lot of Andrew Cuomo's conferences and some of the White House conferences, not all of them. What's the feeling on the ground in New York about how the governor has handled this? I think, you know, everyone is applauding the governor for the most part and what he's been doing. You know, I'm not going to get very political here, but just look at the numbers. Look at what he's what he's done. He had a plan. He mapped this whole thing out. And he's been very strict. And we're watching surrounding states keep getting added to this list of you must quarantine for 14 days once you come here or before you come here even. And so... I think the numbers are there that Governor Cuomo has done quite an exceptional job with our state. I want to ask you about the industry across the whole of the US, because the theatres here outside of London have definitely been hit the worst with redundancies and closures. Would you say that that is the same situation across the regional theatres in America? I mean, from what I'm hearing, 
and even the regional, the- like I would say the not-for-profit theaters, the smaller off-Broadway theaters in New York City, they are absolutely struggling. You look at a season, if you will, these theaters rely heavily on those seasons and the money they bring in. And really they're, you know, just making ends meet when it comes to their particular seasons. And then they rely heavily on fundraisers and galas and whatnot to kind of like carry them over with the numbers. And that is all on hold. That is all on hold. I mean, we're, we're down to the basics here. We're down to like, you know, just making sure everyone can afford their groceries and their health care and their rent. So like, absolutely, the theaters are in need across the board, across the board. Here, the the government eventually promised a £1.57 billion rescue package for the arts. I saw that, I saw that. It took several months, though. There was was a deafening silence coming from Downing Street up until that point, to the point where we didn't think they were going to get anything. Hmm. I'm not expecting your government to come up with any sort of support for the arts. So what do you think the roadmap is to, to keep the industry alive over there? You know, I think it's going to come down to individual producers and, you know, organizations like the Actors Fund, which have been helping these artists survive. You know, the one thing is, I just did a story on Broadway artists, people who work consistently. There's a podcast called The Ensemblist. They polled upwards of 200 artists who work consistently on Broadway for the last two seasons. People who've been on Broadway for the last two seasons who work consistently. 40% of the folks polled are leaving New York City, have left New York City either temporarily or permanently. And we're gonna see more and more of that. I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but this $600 emergency check that a lot of these artists have been receiving weekly runs out at the end of July. So right now, everyone is kind of in panic mode because what are they gonna do when this check is no longer there? I have a dear friend of mine who I featured on New York One last week who works consistently as a Broadway musician. He has played, you know, dozens of shows on Broadway, was just about to open this new musical called Flying Over Sunset, directed by James Lapine, who, you know, I know you know this, did Sunday in the Park with George and Into the Woods. You know, very, very well-respected book writer and director. My friend Steve is an accomplished musician, has studied his entire life music and has played Radio City Music Hall and the list goes on. His unemployment check is $182 a week and his emergency check is $600 a week. That emergency check is running up at the end of July. You do the math, living in New York City, very similar to living in London, Good luck trying to pay your rent and pay your groceries. You know what I mean? So I think the government needs to do something and we are going to go into full crisis mode once the month ends and nothing is done. they're, They're already in crisis mode. More from Frank in a moment. But if you're enjoying this episode, please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review if you can. It really helps us bring you more guests and makes it easier for new listeners to discover the podcast. So if you haven't done it already, I would really appreciate it if you could scroll down the page and tap those five stars. Thank you so much for being here. Now back to Frank. What do you think the future looks like when post-COVID, post-quarantine, when it is safe to open again? Say we've got a vaccine. 
do you think a lot of the long runners will come back or do you think it's going to be a case of salvaging what we can but hoping for for new things to come along if i were guessing right now i would say the long runners the phantoms the lion kings the dear evan hansons the come from aways the wickeds the hamiltons of course they all have money in the bank right i think they will come back and i will be the first line i've actually been putting together my list I think I want to see Phantom as the first show back. You know, okay. Phantom was the first show I ever saw as a kid. I was six years old when my mother took me to see it in New York City at the Majestic Theater. And I just want to see a big show. But, you know, there's a big question mark for the smaller shows or shows that were just getting started. For instance, Girl from the North Country, you know, really didn't have a huge advance. Had a great review in the New York Times, but does not have a lot of money in the bank. Big cast. A musical. I, I'm curious to see if that will eventually come back. We've already seen shows closed during COVID. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf was supposed to open here with Russell Tovey and Rupert Everett and Laurie Metcalf. That closed in previews, never opened. Frozen just closed while we've been in COVID. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I'm also hearing from the industries that, or po- folks in the industry, is that they're waiting on insurance checks to see how that can apply to their, you know, the various shows. And so shows are looking to see what kind of money they get back in terms of you know, staying afloat. Just going back to uh, some of the shows that closed during this period, I was particularly saddened. I mean, any show having to go through this is, is awful for all the people involved, but I was particularly saddened to see The Inheritance denied its its final performances, as I, I suspect you were too, because I listened to your, your podcast interview with those guys. So I, I suspect you loved it as much as I did. I love The Inheritance. You know, I first saw it at The Young Vic in your neck of the woods and mm-hmm. just was so moved by it. And then was there on opening night and then went back one last time. But yes, those guys do not get their, you know, full run or... to to get to play their final performance. But I have to say, and this is a great thing, that the show, and I believe it was that Wednesday, right before everything shut down, it was filmed for Lincoln Center. And so the the Lincoln Center archives are, you know, big over here for people doing research, students, even you as a journalist, you could go over and watch pretty much any show since the 1960s on tape in their archive and it was filmed and preserved so i think that's oh that's such good news because i was really worried that it hadn't been preserved and i loved it so much so if yeah i think i'll definitely be going to lincoln center on my next trip to new york um things are starting to to happen here again um this morning they announced the first post-lockdown fringe production that's going to happen in an outdoor theater in south london I don't suppose there's there's a similar sort of trend happening over there at all yet. Is it too soon? No. In fact, right before this podcast interview, I got I was on a call with my team. I think we're going to head up to Barrington, Barrington Stage Company. They are they've been granted uh, permission from Equity to do some performances. One uh, one man play in a theater that is COVID nineteen safe if you will. And there's a theater down in Philadelphia, which is where I'm from, called the Wilma Theater, which they are reconstructing their theater space to be 
COVID-19 safe as well. So there are things here and there. I'm not sure if you know the artist Michael Arden. Mm -hmm. Michael directed the Tony-winning revival of Once on this Island, and he did the recent revival of Spring Awakening on Broadway. He did a site-specific piece a couple weeks ago uh, outside the city that people were raving about. It involved people in their cars, obviously masked, of course, but... So yeah, I mean, people are getting creative, but it's not the same. It's not the same. The Tonys were obviously postponed. Do you think we're going to see like a super award ceremony next year where they merge the the last season that was cut short and the next season? Or do you think we'll have like a smaller, a smaller reception? How do you think it's going to work? You have good sources. (laughs) Those are actually the two ideas that I've been hearing. Either a small, a small version of, you know, to celebrate this past season or a combination of the 2019-2020 season with the 2020-2021 season um, being that next spring is when we have a couple new shows opening, but for the most part, it'll still just be, you know, an extension of one season if you look at the numbers. So that's what I'm hearing. Okay. Do you, do you know if if they do do a smaller one, do you know when that's likely to happen? I This was early on in COVID, so I'd heard the fall, but I, I still think it's... Too soon. Too soon, and I don't think that's realistic. Sure. I want to pivot the conversation slightly because I think people will be interested. You have such a unique job. Can you talk a little bit about how you became this television premier New York theatre journalist? Because... It's so conventional to become a critic. How did you carve out this this role for yourself? Well, thank you. I'm going to hire you as my publicist. That was quite the introduction. <laughs> I, first off, I I have no desire to be a critic. You know, that's that was never that was never something that I wanted to do. I moved to the city back in 2002 for university, and I went to Fordham University where I studied theater. For the first two two years I was there and realized pretty much early on that if I was going to survive in this business and survive in the city and be a part of the scene, I had to do something else other than acting because I looked at my class and a pretty talented class, Taylor Schilling from Orange is the New Black was One of my classmates, Betty Gilpin, who's a well-known actress, who's on the Netflix series Glow, was a year below me. So it was, you know, a pretty solid group of folks. And I realized, you know, I need to think of a plan B. So I always toyed with wanting to be a reporter, anchor, or presenter, as you guys would call it. And just took some uh, intro to communication classes and applied for an internship in New York One, which is the station I'm still with and got the internship and on the first day of my junior year when I started the internship, my boss at the time said to me, looking at your resume, you clearly love the theater and love the arts. We have a show dedicated to Broadway and off-Broadway. We think you you would be a great fit for that show and they put me onto that and I basically never left. Now, I did leave, I did various jobs in the newsroom, I worked the graveyard shift as the assignment editor, I produced, I did hard news, But I always had my eye on wanting to be a host and presenter. And a couple years ago, when I was given that chance, I was also given the chance to help revamp the show. And so now what you see is what you get. And it's it's a dream job, to say the least. 
Yeah, I, I bet. My only request is that you make it available to watch in the UK, please. Well, if you go to ny1.com, you should be able to see it. I'll, uh, I'll definitely give that a try. Yeah. Um, you say that Phantom was, is the first show you want to see after quarantine. What's the second show? Oh, that's a good question. Um, well, hopefully Company comes back. And I I would love to, I loved it in London and I'm looking forward to seeing it with this new cast here. And also when the theaters hopefully come back, which is when I'm hearing, like I said, March, April, Music Man will, will start previews by then with Hugh Jackman. Oh, you've got some really good stuff coming. I'm really jealous. What about you? I think Come From Away is my first choice. For, for my first show I just I love it so much and such I mean I feel like we need that show now more than ever yeah you know yeah and those lyrics are just gonna pack such a punch that first night I mostly want to be there just to see how much everybody cries I feel yeah. like that's gonna be really cathartic yes um, do you know what actually prior to the 3rd of July I think I would have said my second show would have been Hamilton but having watched it <laughs> three times already I don't know if I need to go and see it again that soon. So I may need to just readjust my list. Uh, Was that your first time seeing it? No, no. I've seen it in London twice before. I've seen the first cast and the second cast. It was great in London. Oh, so I mean, I expect it's great everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But no, I just say, I mean, like the cast in London was fantastic. Yeah, they it really felt special, didn't it? Yeah. When were you last over here? What was the last thing you saw here? Well, I was supposed to be over for the Olivier's, so and we were going to do this face to face. The last time I was in London was last summer. Okay. I think I tried to make it over there a couple times a year just to catch up on stuff with work and to see friends. I, I truly love your city. Likewise. How often do you get over to New York City? Uh, Not as often as I'd like. Normally once a year or every 18 months or so. Last time I was there... What was the last show you saw here? The last show I saw there was The Prom. Oh, did you love it? Oh, I loved it. Yeah, I was... Do you know what? It was the first time for as long as I can remember where I went into the interval humming the Act 1 finale song. I normally can't remember anything and that's not me dissing the shows that I've seen that's just my bad memory from like short term memory but I just could not get I can't remember the name of the song now uh, Tonight Belongs to Us I think it's called yeah I just was humming that the whole interval I absolutely loved it I thought it was an injustice that it closed so soon yeah well the movie's coming out you know that I do and you were in that show you you did a turn I'm in the movie yeah are you in the movie as well <laughs> I did the show and I'm in the mo- I opened the movie but I'm not allowed to talk about it Okay. Do, do we know when it's coming out or is that a secret as well? Um, no, no, no. It's coming out in the fall. Okay. Okay. That's not too far away. So you'll get to see me on the big screen, hopefully. Or Amazing. Or being streamed in your living room. Fabulous. <laughs> well, thank you so much for uh, giving me part of your afternoon. You're it welcome. looks very nice in Southampton. I'm very jealous that you're, you're there. How far are you from the West End? Where are you in London exactly? I am in West London, like Zone 3. So I can be in town in like half an hour. So it's, it's a dream. That's like my criteria when I move anywhere. It's how fast between Kurt and Cole and walking in my front door. You and me both, my friend. Yeah. Yeah. But listen, next time you're in London, hit me up. Let, or I'll hit you up when next time I'm in New York, whichever Sounds one happens like a first, plan. right? Can't wait to cheers you in person and go to the theater with you. Absolutely. All right. Well, stay safe. Thank um, you. And enjoy wherever you are and whatever you're doing next. You too. Be well. Right. Thanks, Frank. Speak to you soon. 
I hope you enjoyed this week's episode. If you want to hear more of my interviews, there are plenty of episodes for you to work your way through. And I'm also on YouTube where you can find even more interviews and performances. Just search for Backstage With, but type it all as one word. Next week's guest is one I'm very excited about. Keep an eye on our social media pages to find out who it is. For Instagram and Facebook, we are at Backstage With. And for Twitter, it's Backstage underscore With. And yes, it kills me that they aren't all uniform, but I am working on it. Anyway, that's it for this week. As always, thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.